Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from NEO, and uh, here we are again recording a podcast session for our Neo4j Graph Database podcast. And tonight, uh, this morning actually, on the show I have um, uh, Stefan Armbruster with me from uh, Munich. Hi Stefan. Hey Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, how are you? Perfectly fine. Super. Is the weather as nice over there as it is over here? Yeah, we we have now more than so today. It's getting more than thirty degrees. So I'm already have the shirts and the t-shirt. <laughs> same here, same here. Hey, Stefan. Well, you know, this is a, a podcast where we sort of talk to people about you know their 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 relationship to graphs and graph databases. Mm-hmm. So why don't you uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your work, and how you got to uh, graph databases. Yeah, so uh, as, as you mentioned, my name is Stefan. I'm from Munich in Germany. I'm one of the field engineers within Neo Technology. So it's basically the interface between um, the customers and the engineering team. So um, we work with a very deep technical background. And the ultimate goal is to make the customers successful, make sure their projects run well and make them happy that they can spend more more bucks on us, of course. That's the ultimate yeah. goal. And yeah. if, I, if, if I recall correctly, Stefan, you and me started together about a year ago, didn't we? About three years ago. Three actually. years ago, I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah was this, this nice company meeting in Sweden yeah. uh, where they served so good food, so I finally decided to sign the contract. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, be more honest, my story to, to Neo was uh, started already more than seven years ago. Wow. So this was uh, the first great conf- conference in Copenhagen. Um, I, at the time being, I was working as a freelancer, did a lot of work with Grails and, and built some, some websites f- or some web applications for my customers. And there was the first conference on, on the Grails framework. And there was another guy attending from Sweden, Emil. And um, after some beers in the evening, I got in touch with him. He talked to some crazy things about graph databases, some fancy stuff. And, well, I, in the first place, I said, okay, well, it sounds interesting, but I don't see a use case for me here. So I put it on my large list of, of technologies yeah. to take a look at. Yeah. Um, after some months, I really looked at, at uh, Neo4j. So this was way before the 0.1 version was, no, sorry, way before the 1.0 version. But it was not a zero point something, whatever. Um, and I was really pleased by the cleanness of the Java API. At the time being, there was no cipher, there was no server. So Neo4j was just a kind of embedded graph database for Java. Wow. That's why it was 4J. And, and, and so, so you, you wrote the, the Groovy driver, is that, is that true? Or yeah, how, how did driver. So for Groovy, you don't need a driver because Groovy is basically Java. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it, I wrote the Grails driver, and this was then the next step. So a couple of months later, um, I was getting um, asked to deliver a project where um, you can place votes on the ecosystem of, of football. So you can uh, um, express your opinion, well, was the red card in that game in minute 45 justified? Yeah, or who yeah. will be the next champion? Um, will the trainer of that team be fired? So they try to aggregate the opinions of the fans together. And since you can put a vote on everything, yeah. and everything can put, be con, uh, potentially connected with everything else in that um, data set, uh, it's naturally a graph. 
And this was my eye-opener, and I said, okay, we, want, we should use Neo4j for that project. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also wanted to use Grails because that's my, my common framework um, years ago. And then I decided to bring the two things together and wrote the first version of the Grails driver. And, and nowadays, you still use that a lot, or do you use more use uh, Java? To be or, honest, yeah. I'm still maintaining the Grace driver. Currently, it's a little bit rotten, so I need to spend some more time to make, to deliver the version 2.0 for the Grace driver, uh, which then will be uh, only f based on Cypher and JDBC. Okay. And therefore, it's also future-proof future already. Yeah. And if we look a little bit in the future, I also have a plan to merge efforts with the Spring Data uh, Neo4j um, project to reuse their mapper because that's m a little bit more powerful than what I've did naively. Super cool. So, so Stefan, you know, you, you mentioned you know, sort of how you got into it, but you know, what do you love about it? You know, what, what do you think is so powerful about the graph and the graph database? You know, is there anything uh, that jumps I out? What I like, of course, um, I'm a um, big fan of open source software, so I really appreciate that we're uh, completely open source. Um, I think it's very easy to make more sense out of data, basically. So you can uh, organize your, your, your data into a graph, and then you can have immediately some new insights, which you didn't know beforehand. Mm -hmm. And what kind of insights would that be? You know, things like new un unknown connections or stuff like that. Unknown or, connections, yeah. so you can e easily feel connections. Um, so, as a simple example, um, we both work for for Neo, so it's uh, we have a workflow relationship to Neo as a company, and as a in indirection, since Neo is a rather small still hundred people, uh, there is an implicit um, relationship between you and me because we know each other. Sure. So that can be that can be inferred without having that explicitly as a data. So you can uh, infer uh, hidden knowledge, basically. Yeah. And that's that's in my opinion, um, yeah, that's more or less kind of uh, philosophical thing. The interesting part from a pure IT uh, perspective, the cool thing uh, is that um, you can query graph database uh, independent of the data size. So you queries. As long as their local won't get uh, slower just because you're growing the data set. Yeah, that's a really powerful feature, right? I mean, every customer yeah. that I meet or, or user that I meet loves that you know graph locality PM piece of it. That's really yeah, that that's that's super cool. Well, we we actually uh, have a, a hidden connection in common as well, right? Our love for fantastic beers, right? Oh yes, oh yes, <laughs> bit of common common kind of beer, but uh, a different kind of beer, but yes. <laughs> Absolutely, no. You you gave me some really nice beers uh, uh, a while back. That's really nice of you. The the Unatel, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah I remember that one. Very cool. So, what does the future hold, Stefan? You know, where is this thing going? Where, what, what do you think is, you know, like the uh, the, the big things coming up for for, for you and for us uh, for for the industry? Mm. What's your perspective on that? Well, I think the adoption will will grow um, since um, graph databases are, from a mental perspective, rather close to relational databases. Uh, it's easy for people to move over, so they don't need to change too much. But of course, they need to change something. Um, so I, I think uh, we will see um, a graph databases being as common used in the industry as today Oracle or DB2. 
That's an aggressive statement. <laughs> it's it's not going to happen next year, probably not the sure. next year. But if you look in the large um, scope for five years, that is probably where I see the future. Well, it's a very uh, natural evolution, right? I mean, so many people, you know, it's a, such a natural way for people to deal with data, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if we look more the short term, what I'm really looking forward is the new binary protocol that we will see. Um, most likely end of the year for version 3.0. Yeah, yeah. Um, that uh, makes the interactions with with, cl uh, with client drivers much more easy and much more unified. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the replacement protocol for REST, right? Or, I mean, complementary to REST, right? Complementary, so we yeah. will have the REST protocol forever, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the binary on the side um, provides a unique, um, a kind of completely re redesigned interface. There is already a kind of spike on, on a Java driver that uses that protocol. Yeah. And on top of the Java driver, uh, I'm currently doing a little bit of spiking on implementing JDBC for that. Mm -hmm. Because I think JDBC is the key uh, integration technology that allows um, anyone to use Neo4j within their existing infrastructure. Absolutely. Think of all the, all the BI tools, uh, all the reporting tools. Everyone has a, has a JDBC um, interface and by that we can just easily plug in the graph database in existing infrastructures. Yeah, because the current JDBC driver uses REST and that's, you, you could replace that REST layer with, uh, with the binary protocol. Then. Yeah, and even, even if users, uh, so people using the, the current REST-based JDBC driver, yep. um, migrating that over is a completely no-brainer because they don't have to rewrite the single, they just have to replace uh, the change, the, change the URL and the driver but uh, they don't have to change a single line of code. Super interesting. Thank you, Stefan. Well, you know, we want to keep these podcasts reasonably short, right? Uh, so thank you for coming online and, and, and talking to me. It was really interesting. And um, uh, I'm, I'm hoping we'll see each other again uh, very soon, probably this summer. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> exactly. With some beers. With some beers, exactly. <laughs> thank you, Stefan. Have a nice thank day. Thank you so much, Rick. Cheers. Have a nice good day. Thank you. Goodbye.